back to one more thing. This is episode five of what we weren't sure was going to continue. But it is. It's continuing. And realistically, I think this uh, podcast for me has now just turned into an opportunity for me to rant about random subjects, get some stuff off my chest, things that I've been thinking about, and give myself an opportunity to just process, process life, process the things that come on a daily basis that no one else wants to hear about, or maybe they do want to hear about, so I throw it down on an episode, and if you're interested, you're interested, and if you're not, you can move on to the next one. So this is episode five, and it's almost summer, May 24th, 2018. Novato High School had its last rally of the year, the end of the year rally today. Amazing video put together by the students here from MSA and a number of different people. Leadership class put on an excellent rally as usual. Um, But I love when you get to the end of the school year. You realize as a teacher, every single year, it's kind of special and unique every year. And you know that every kid in every class has a separate identity and that they're definitely different than the last one. And, you know, no, no group is the same. You know, they, they all have their own identity and things that they really like. And it's awesome when you finally get to the end of the year, you get the opportunity to really see uh, who these kids are and remember how much they've changed over the years. And now that I'm in my 10th year of teaching or something, 11th year of teaching, I've seen kids graduate, move on, start families, get married, uh, graduate college, all of that stuff. And now that I'm watching it, this, at this point in time, I'm watching the second and third and fourth generation of students that I've taught in the same family. I always promise myself that the second my students' kids come in and get into my class, it's probably time for me to retire. But I mean, luckily, that's probably going to be the case, unless, of course, we have some kind of drastic shift in the way that people are having children. Isn't it funny that I think every generation has a different age for when it's acceptable to have children? And currently, I think the age right now seems to be closer to 30 than it is to 20. And I know that obviously there are exceptions and there's always going to be exceptions. But I feel like my generation, the millennials, which I'm the oldest of the millennial generation, I think, uh, 1983. And I think they're trying to change that kind of stuff. But honestly, I do feel that the millennial generation is, I do identify with it for the most part. Um, And I just finished, the current group that are seniors are also millennials. They're the last of the millennial generation, and I'm the first of the millennial generation. And I've definitely found over the last couple of years that I have less in common with my students than I've had in the past. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I think you actually figure out that that's probably just the way life is, right? And at some point, you are going to be that old guy looking back saying, hey, in my day, it was awesome when we did this. It was awesome when I came home and watched Family Matters and Saved by the Bell. And nowadays, these kids get to see it on... uh, Netflix or whatever. I mean, their options are so much better. But what I think is really interesting is by the end of the year, you start identifying that you're just getting older and the stuff that you care about is really kind of going to come back in trend 
in about 10 years or so when your kids start getting back into high school. It's kind of funny because currently, if you listen to the music that a lot of these current sophomores, juniors, and seniors are listening, and we'll throw the freshmen in it, the current high schoolers are listening to, and actually know the the words of songs for, most of the stuff they know is from the 80s, which is, of course, because their parents probably grew up in the 80s, where they were listening to most of their music. So I, I hear a lot of journey and a lot of that stuff because you start to have identification with when those parents were listening to music and what was popular during their era. So every 10 years or so, you're going to have a shift about 10 years forward. And it's interesting. It's cool. So I think by the time 10 years from now, uh, the kids in high school will start be listening to what? Tupac and Biggie? Is that where we're going next? MC Hammer? Is that the next group? I don't know. I mean, now that we've had, had the World Wide Web and the increase of information and all that kind of stuff, I feel like at some point, all of that could go away, where people have so much access to just this library of information and music so easily acceptable or, or accessible that people will stop having these generational shifts where it's just what my parents listen to. And the scary thought would be that at some point, kids might be so disconnected from their parents that they never actually get influence of, you know, and, and I think for my generation that the influence was probably the 50s and the 60s. So everyone in my generation, their old school is going to be the Beatles. This year's, in this group's old school, I, I think the Beatles, everyone gets to claim as old school fun because everyone knows the Beatles because they're so good, right? But other than the Beatles, if you play anything else from the 50s and the 60s, most of this generation is not as in tune as they are when you play Journey. Journey is their jam, at least their old school jam. And now the way that music is going, it's becoming obviously very eclectic where each style is almost integrating other styles into it. In a lot of ways, it reminds me a lot of the age of anxiety art period and where you have the, the rise of Dadaism and surrealism and cubism and essentially modern art. Modern art is just a code word for we're confused and not really sure what art is anymore. So we're just going to make art that we think is cool because at some point art for art's sake is what matters. And I think that's amazing. It's great. It's definitely part of this new 20th century and 21st century where art no longer is just for a significant purpose of building a cathedral or a significant purpose of building art for someone who's trying to show off their amazing house like the Medici's during the Renaissance or something like that. And all of that is great. Definitely trying to understand art for art's sake. It's a huge shift. And I think that our music culture today is a lot like that. You take a guy like Kanye West. Kanye West has reinvented himself almost every single album. And don't get me wrong, you can love or hate Kanye West, but at the end of the day, he is a genius musically. The fact that he can do so many different things and really do it well. I mean, obviously, you probably could pick out a handful of stuff from Kanye West that you think, yeah, this is great. And then a handful of stuff that you're like, I would never listen to that twice if you paid me. And that's fine. And I honestly think he likes that. He prefers that his music is only really good for people that really can truly identify with it and feel like it's speaking to them. And that's fine. 
That's what art's supposed to be, right? Pick what you like, leave what you don't. I think life is actually supposed to be like that. We don't have to like everything everyone else likes. That doesn't allow us to have the individuality that we thrive on in this culture, this Western culture that we have. Wow, that was a random eight minutes. Not really sure where that came from, but I think what it reminds me of most is what I'm looking forward to most in my summer currently. And that's once we graduate and get these current seniors off to their lives. I'm taking a group of people to Europe and my wife and her best friend are coming with. And we're going to travel Europe for 12 days on a whirlwind tour of some of the greatest cities uh, in really Western culture. Get to spend a couple of nights in Rome, which is one of the most amazing cities I've ever been in in my entire life. I love Rome. Rome is one of those cities where you go to and you realize that you are small and that the world is so much bigger than you and that history is so much more than you. I mean, you walk through Rome and it's a city that, as our tour guide said, is essentially built on itself. It's one of those cities that has recreated itself every hundred years, seemingly, since its foundation. And it depended on who was in charge and who had taken it over. And it keeps getting rebuilt over and over and over again. And the beauty of European rebuilt is that they don't just tear things down. No, no. They repurpose them to make them better. So Rome ends up becoming a city built on a city, on a city, on a city. And it's one of those things that once you get there and you actually see it in person, like I said, you feel small. You feel like... You get to be a part of Rome, not that you're necessarily just doing this because you're amazing, but rather because other people have put and left their mark on this world and you get to experience that mark. The Roman Colosseum is one of those places that you walk into and I don't care who you are, you're moved. You can't not be moved by the Colosseum. It's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. I mean, they say something like you could get an entirety of twenty to 30,000 people in and out of the Roman Colosseum in less than 10 minutes? Have you ever been to a stadium in the, in the United States? You think trying to get in and out of a stadium in the United States, you could get 30,000 people or 40,000 people out of the giant stadium down there on the, on the water, you could get them in and out in less than 10 minutes? No way. There's no way you could get in and out that fast. But the Romans were so ahead of their time that right around the current era, they were building a Colosseum that you could get in and out of with 30,000 people in and out in less than 10 minutes. They're brilliant. And you get to experience their brilliance on a level that obviously we don't get to experience all the time in the United States. And that's one of the beauty of travel. I remember back to when I was traveling before, I heard someone talk about how Mark Twain had said something like one of the most and most effective combatants of racism is experience of other cultures and travel because you start realizing that every culture is unique and there's the the uniqueness is what makes it great and what gives it its flavor and it also starts to show you how insignificant your petty arguments are when you come back home and i i look forward to that i look forward to going to florence again florence is one of the most beautiful cities i've ever been and honestly is probably my favorite city in the world I think those of you that really know who know me and, and don't just randomly stumble upon this podcast because 
you randomly clicked on something that said society or culture or family or travel or whatever I might tag it with. If you're listening to this and you actually know me, you know that I'm a relatively quiet guy and I pretend, for the most part, I'm pretty introverted, which is obviously pretty ironic being a teacher. But what I love about Florence is it's one of the most intimate cities and it's it has this perfect balance in what I would consider a big city that feels like a small city. And for me, that's the most beautiful city in the world. It has probably my favorite art piece ever created, and it is housed in the academia, and that's the Statue of David. And I love when I get to that part in AP Euro and get to talk about the Statue of David every year, because to this day, it is one of the most amazing things I've seen in person ever. When you walk into the academia, the first thing that you see is a row of prisoners on both sides, which were Machiavelli, or sorry, Machiavelli, Michelangelo's unfinished works of these people who are seemingly just being trapped by the stone and Michelangelo is releasing them from the stone. They're called the prisoners. And then you look all the way down to the end of a hallway and you see the David. And the David has a way of just kind of taking your attention away from everything else. When you finally see it in person, you realize how incredibly detailed someone like a Michelangelo could be. It's said that his piece is so perfect that he has the human body exactly correct, except for he's apparently missing a single muscle in the back of David. Other than that, it is anatomically perfect. And you can't go into that and think, hmm, I've seen better. I mean, yeah, sure, you could probably say that. But at the same time, when I went in there and looked at the David, I don't think, I think they had to get me to leave. Not, I was never rushing to leave that spot. I sat down and I was staring at this piece next to one of my good friends. And we both sat there and said, yep, it's all that we had hoped it was. And and pretty much more. And so we get to see Florence and then I'm going to get to see Venice for the first time. I've never been and then travel through Austria and Germany, both places I haven't been yet. So I'm looking forward to uh, a summer trip of a 10, 12 day whirlwind trip of Europe uh, coming up here in the near future. And it just reminds me how much I enjoy travel with a purpose. It's funny, me and my wife are so significantly different when it comes to travel. My wife loves to travel and then sit on a beach. And that's her definition of fun. And don't get me wrong, I love that about my wife. But at the same time, that sounds like the worst day ever to me. Sitting on a beach, tanning, no thank you. I'd rather be going through museum after museum after museum, give me everything that that culture ever ever had, and then maybe if I'm bored, I'll sit on a beach and get a tan. It was funny, the last time we went to Europe, we kind of had the perfect mix of being able to sit on the beach and see museums because one of our major stops was Nice. And Nice is very nice. Sadly, a couple years later, the same place that we were was one of those incredibly most depressing moments when the van driver ran, ran into a bunch of people on the boardwalk of Nice in that really gruesome terrorist attack. But it reminded me so much of how you can have such a terrible event happen in such a beautiful place. And the thing about Nice is it just feels like a a combo culture of Italian and French. And 
it's one of those special places that has in Europe, there's a lot of these where you have different times, different rulers had different places. And so the cultures sometimes blend. And Nice is one of those cultures. You could go down one street and it might be in Italian and go down the next street and it might be in French. And they had one of the best outdoor markets I've ever seen. Um, I think, you know, you could have just sat there and ate instead of going to a restaurant. You could have just sat and ate at the market and then gone down to the boardwalk. And if I remember correctly, it was right during the Tour de France. So we were caught in the middle of a parade right before the Tour de France was going to show up and ride through Nice the next day. And the one thing that was weird for me is it was the first time I think I had ever been to a beach that didn't have sand. And that was the only thing that bothered me. It was like my feet couldn't handle the fact that they didn't have a nice plush sand to be in. And it was the first time they'd ever felt rock for a beach, which for me was just a total pain. But it seemed like everyone else loved it and didn't care that their beach was a bunch of rocks. But I will say, when you float it out in the Mediterranean, you basically float, which is awesome. So, you know, you give and take a little. But yeah, the, the beauty of beaches in, in Europe and in other places definitely make me realize that, you know what, every once in a while, my wife is absolutely right. It, the right thing to do is just stop, enjoy yourself, lay down, take a load off, enjoy the sun, realize that this life needs to slow down every once in a while. And yeah, tanning on a beach might actually just be a good option. So I know this is a short one. It's only going to be about 20 minutes or so, but I wanted to get a couple things out there and talk a little bit about uh, where we're at and where I'm going for the summer and, and what I'm looking forward to. I'm probably going to do a one or two of these more uh, before we leave for our vacation slash Europe trip, whirlwind trip, uh, and then I'll be off for uh, a couple of weeks before I upload maybe up episode eight. So if you get to episode eight, it'll probably be after Europe. But if you haven't already done so, if you can leave a, uh, a like rating or something like that on iTunes, you know, be kind. Uh, and if you could share it around, if, if you think other people might like the podcast, go ahead and do so. And I'll see you guys later. This has been episode five of One More Thing. Thanks for coming. I'll see you guys. Bye.